morning and welcome everybody. You're listening to Faith FM 87.6, 87.8 or 88 right across Australia, right across the Faith FM network, wherever you are. This is The Breakfast Show, positively different radio in the morning and you are with Lyle and... Morning, good morning, Lyle. Morning, morning, how are you this morning? Yeah, good as gold. Good as gold, eh? Yeah, yeah, not, good not, as good. Not silver or platinum or... I mean, maybe good as any copper. Any other precious metal? I really metal. like copper. Copper? Yeah, good good as copper? Was copper classified as a precious metal? Not really. <laughs> Too bad. But if you've got something you want to donate, I'll take your copper. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I see how it is. It's not um, precious. Just give me all yours. Yeah. I'll take your copper. I'll take it down to the scrappy and get some cash for it. No <laughs> how worries. are you this morning, Lyle? I'm great. Yeah, what are you grateful for? Scrappy. The scrappy. That was a quick change there. Yep, absolutely. Yeah, you Very make quite a bit of mint off the scrappy every yeah, year. Yeah, I do. I yeah, do. Yeah. I do my annual run to the scrappy, and that makes all of my Christmas pocket money. Yeah, nice, um, nice. Usually get somewhere between say seven hundred bucks and fifteen hundred dollars. That's really good. That's yeah. really good Christmas pocket money. It is. It is. Just have a uh, you just have a scrap pile in my backyard where all metal goes uh-huh. and gets divvied up into all its different little. Uh, Different little piles, and when it's ready to go to the scrappy, it goes. That's very clever. Hmm. I wish I knew what metals were precious when I'm looking at junk. (laughs) (laughs) All metal is worth something. Okay, okay. So when I go like dumpster diving, when it's verge collection time, anything that's metal, anything that goes clink. Anything that is not steel is worth quite a bit. So you take a magnet with you. you Just take a magnet. Okay. Anything that a magnet will not stick to. Is going to be worth something significant. Oh, how interesting. Okay, yeah. okay. Hmm, good to know. Yep. Now all all scrappies, is... all scrappies, all good scrappies carry a magnet hanging around their neck. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. I, I had no idea about uh-huh. this. That's hilarious. Uh, so you're learning something. Maybe yeah. I need to um, get a bit of backyard first and then I'll fill it up with junk. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. You need to have a backyard where you, you can Embrace the bogan life. That's Just... <laughs> it. That's it. Oh, the bogan life is so good. <laughs> anyway, awesome. so we have a great show coming up for you today. This is a reminder, you are listening to the delayed broadcast here on Faith FM. If you would like to listen to the live show and interact with Mon and myself for the breakfast show, then simply go to faithfm.com.au and press play or use the tune in radio app. Anyway, if you are listening and it's not sounding that great, switch across to the live show, download the TuneIn app, search for Faith FM Australia. You can listen with beautiful clarity anywhere on the planet, maybe even the moon. We don't know. We've never tested the moon. Alas, and did my Savior bleed? Did my sovereign die? Would he devote that sacred head? Someone such as I At the cross, at the cross Where I first saw the light The burden of my heart rolled away And it was there by faith I received my sight And now I am happy all the day Was it for Christ that I have done Suffered on a tree Amazing pity Grace unknown And love beyond At the cross, at the cross Where I first saw light And the burden of my heart rolled away It was there by faith I received my sight 
Welcome back, guys. That was Anna Weather Up with At The Cross here on Faith FM, and we are going for the next clue in our quiz. Well, the first clue in our quiz, Lyle. The first one. This is our next quiz, though, today, is a What City Am I quiz. Uh, this is a city that's mentioned in the Bible. Uh, so if you have a Bible around, grab that, start going through it. You might be able to find an answer in there. Nathaniel was from this city. Nathaniel was from this city. Give me a call if you know the answer. 1-800-FAITH-FM. It's 1-800-324-843. If you get it right this morning, I'm going to send you a prize. And I'm actually going to send you two prizes because Lyle has it wrong. He's just written down a wrong guess. And uh, you get two prizes as long as Lyle doesn't know it. So give us a call. Give us a call quick. Uh, This morning, I'm going to give away, mm, let me see, The Breakfast Book by Sue Rad. Oh. And if you get right before Lyle, I'll even chuck in one of Kimmy or Gindy's CDs. There you go. Mm. Let's give us a call right now. 1-800-324-843. Where did Nathaniel come from? Yes, I wonder whether they call him Nat. Nathaniel? Oh, why do they call him Nat? Oh, I wonder whether they did. I'm sure they did. Or Nate. Or Nathan. Or Nathan. I reckon they just called him Nat. Yeah, Nat. Yeah, we had yeah. a Nathaniel in school. He was really cool. We all called him Nat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, that's, yeah. What, that's, 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 that's who Nathaniel is. Nathaniel yeah. is Nat. Yeah, absolutely, 100%. Okay, all right, what do we got for... Uh, Look at you, you got posi- like... I have stories coming out my stories. ears, uh, just so many of them. Like I, came into, I came into the studio today and Lyle was like, man, there was nothing, nothing happened in the news waves. And then the last minute, a whole bunch of stories came out and now I have nine stories and now you're sitting here <laughs> with a sheath of paper Did, did you want to hear a positively stories. different story? Yeah, I'm about to tell you one. <laughs> did you want to hear one? If you want to do both news segments because you've got so many stories, then feel free. <laughs> dominate mind. the radio show. I don't mind. Morning. I can save my stories Can I tell you about Pom Pom? Pom Pom. Pom Pom. Dude, okay, let's do this. Tell me <laughs> now <laughs> you've got me intrigued. I thought you would want to know I about Pom Pom. Let me find Pom Pom's story. Do you mean Pom Okay, Pom Pom. No, no, Pom Pom. Pom Pom the Cockatiel. Okay. So Pom Pom the Cockatiel turned up at the uh, Waratah, at a Waratah preschool, the hub, <laughs> and knocked on the door. <laughs> so they op- opened the door and Pom Pom came in. And so they got a, a, a cage for Pom Pom and some food for him and Pom Pom became a resident there. And each night Pom Pom goes home with a different student. That is so cute. And then Pom Pom escaped again. Oh, no. Bit of an escape artist. Uh-huh. And so they quickly went out that night and bought another cockatiel, which the students immediately recognised as not being pom pom <laughs> the <Fail>. next day. <laughs> and they're all super sad about it. But pom pom has a bit of a thing for school. So he turned up at uh, Callahan College and sat on a, flew down and sat on a student's shoulder. Oh, wow. Of course, the uh, Waratah preschool had put it out on social media, mm. and so Pom Pom got restored. So now they have two cockatiels, <laughs> and soon they'll have but a whole. But all bunch. <laughs> of the children see the new one as being a bit of an imposter. Uh. They all want to take Pom Pom home. So fake Pom Pom. <laughs> so fake Pom Pom now lives with one of the teachers and uh, is being kept in reserve in case real Pom Pom disappears <laughs> does a, again. Does another runner. Does another runner. <laughs> That's hilarious. I hope that pom-pom's a boy and the other one's a girl or vice versa because soon they'll have a bunch of baby pom-poms. There you go. And then maybe the students will get over their favouritism. I'm <laughs> sure if they had some baby pom-poms in a preschool, <laughs> they would get over it. Yeah. That's, a, that's such a cute story. <laughs> I thought I like that would put a smile like, on your face. I like how he turns up and just surrenders himself to captivity. <laughs> <laughs> Knock on the door. Here I am. Stick me in a cage. I'm down. <laughs> <laughs> What a great name for a pet too, Pom Pom. I quite like that. I have to remember that one. Yeah, thanks for it's sharing. Named after a uh, World War Two anti-aircraft gun. 
the little kids named their bird <laughs> after a World War Two gun. Somehow, Lyle, I think not. I think maybe they saw the little round bobbly thing on top of their beanies called a pom-pom and thought, do you know what? I'm going to call my bird pom-pom after that. <laughs> oh, there is a certain portion of the community out there listening in this morning that know exactly what I'm talking about. And I'm sure they realise that what five-year-old kids would never have called it their bird pom-pom after a gun. <laughs> Especially a World War Two one. <laughs> All right, what have you got for us, Mon? Okay, so this is really cool. The world's largest, biggest ever rooftop urban farm is about to open in Paris. Oh, cool. This is oh, I'm mad. totally, totally... Uh, this is so cool. This is this is what every... Every roof should have. Every roof should have, and particularly all of the uh, these um, you know, vertical human filing cabinets. Yeah. Uh-huh. Every vertical human filing cabinet, a.k.a. an apartment building, yeah. should have... Gardens on every level and across the roof, with but, a swimming pool and a barbecue this is, area. This is like a this is like a level up, Lyle. This is no longer just a rooftop garden. This is an urban farm. This a is, farm. This is a farm. I'm not kidding around. This is a farm. This is like an inner city urban farm. So it's being constructed in the uh, southwest region of, of Paris, in the French capital. Uh, it'll span over fourteen thousand square meters. Whoa! Fourteen thousand. What kind of building meters. is this? This is not your average high rise. Uh, I think it's like one of those sort of like um industrial building. Uh, yeah, you, you know how they have convention centers that have really like long, like yep. yeah, it's much more spacious than like a, a totally upright thing. Um, so yeah, so it's the largest urban farm in the world, managed by a team of twenty gardeners. It's going to be an organic kind of sanctuary, and they'll grow about thirty different plant species. Um, and this is crazy. It's it's said that it's um, set to produce a thousand kilos of fruit and vegetable every day in high season. <laughs> so this thing is going to feed. They're planning for it to feed thousands of people every year, just thousands and thousands of people. You can imagine, like you can imagine, a thousand kilos of food a day in the high season. Wow, it's incredible. This thing is going to be churning stuff out. Um, they're not just using it as a farm. They've of course made the 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 space multifunctional, which is great. So they're also going to have um, it's also going to host a variety of educational workshops and farming classes, which is just amazing. E- amazing. Uh, the site will also allow uh, local Parisians to lease out tiny segments um, of the rooftop for their own gardening needs. So this is something that happens a lot in Europe, uh, where they have like a plot uh, you can rent a garden somewhere away from your house. Um, I, I, I forgot what the word is in English, but like my grandparents <laughs> you- did it. You know, you know what they should do? What? Um, if you go to Singapore, I was in Singapore a few months back. Yeah. Passed through Singapore. Um, and if you go there, if you go to, uh, there's that big park that's down near the um, Marina Bay Sands hotel thing, you mm-hmm. know, that looks like a boat on top of a hotel. There's a big park there. And then in that park, there's these big, tall buildings made out of glass. And they're very artistic and beautiful. And about eight stories high, thereabouts. And inside of them is just a whole ecosystem of rainforest with waterfalls. And it's just beautiful and gorgeous and a huge tourist attraction. They should build some of these. But rather than focusing on, say, for instance, a rainforest theme or a butterfly theme or whatever they've got happening there in Singapore, they should do a food theme. 
So it's just like walking into a massive food-producing Garden of Eden where people can go in there and like, yeah, I'll have that and yeah. eat something off the, fr- off, off the vine. Off, that sounds off the, amazing. Off the tree or whatever it might be. I'm, I'm so up for that. By the way, I remember the word. It's called allotment. So they'll, they'll, have, they'll have this rooftop. Yep. Yes, yeah, so the people can have allotments um, there, which is really great. But the other cool thing about this one, Lyle, is that they're using a specialised aeroponic vertical farming technique. So the garden – and I'm sure the locals are very happy about this, will use no pesticides and very little water. Ah, that's cool. Which is important because if you're going to have Humans a city... Humans are amazing. Yeah, if you're going to have a city centre farm, I, one, of the, one, of the immediate, one of the first things I thought about was like, well, what happens when they're spraying it and a breeze comes along and suddenly you've got that, that noxious you know, pesticide and insecticides being blown across the city. People sitting there trying to eat their croissants and their French baguettes and suddenly the whole thing's covered in pesticide. But this, this is incredible the way they fixed it. So I'm, this is happening, this will be finished next year. And I'm, I really just think fact that they're going to go visit You know, I think, I think that all public parks should have some ground set aside for allotments where people grow vegetables. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Hyde Park at one stage, I think it was during the Second World War in Sydney, was turned into uh, allotments. Oh, so really? So that people could, could grow food. Wow. Yeah. Man, I want to see photos of that. That's really cool. Um, yeah. And, of course, in England, you know, during the Second World War and the Blitz and all that kind of stuff, all the public parks were turned into um, agriculture. I, have you ever been to, like, an, an allotment um, uh, a region, like in Europe somewhere? Because I've been to a bunch of them and I love them. I've been to ones in Europe, um I'm seen sorry, one or two Germany small ones in Australia and I'm I've sure I've seen, seen them in them Europe. I've never seen them in Australia. I think because, you know, we have a lot of space. Yeah. Yes, we don't need allotments. No. But allotments are a beautiful place to go for a walk, like on a Sabbath. Like we, I went for walks through lots of them in Amsterdam. Ah, sorry, Rotterdam in, uh, in the Netherlands. And it's just such a beautiful thing because everyone's just putting you know, effort into making their gardens gorgeous. And it's, it's like walking through a little paradise. It's beautiful. Anyway. I think if I had an allotment, I'd be more motivated to make it look nice. The people doing this urban farm said, our vision is a city in which flat roofs and abandoned surfaces are covered with these new growing systems. Each will contribute directly to feeding urban residents who today represent the bulk of the world's population. Good on them and uh, I applaud them and what they're doing. And yeah, definitely if you're heading off to Paris, go check this garden out.
delivered from this vain world of sin and shall hear the trumpet sound in that morning and with my blessed Jesus drink endless pleasures in and shall hear the trumpet sound in that morning shout of
Welcome back, guys. That was a Cardiphonia Music, Oh When Shall I See Jesus, here on Faith FM. Mon, give us another clue for our quiz. What city am I? This city is located in Galilee. All right, let me just write something down here. Give us a call. You'll win yourself a copy of The Breakfast Book by Sue Rad, one of Australia's premier nutritionists. You'll also get a copy of Kemi Ogendi's uh, latest music album as well. Still hasn't got it right. <laughs> okay, so if you get onto the Forbes list of billionaires, it's kind of hard to slip off because most people who make it to that particular level of um, money making, uh, there's usually a reason yeah, why. And yeah, they're, they're going to be there for a while. They're not going to. They're not going to go backwards. Very uh-huh. rare for somebody to slip off the bottom of that. Particular Even if they list. lose a lot, they still have a lot. But uh, somebody just has. <gasps> Really, what happened? Uh, J.K. Rowling slipped off the Forbes billionaire list. How is that possible? Isn't she like the wealthiest human on the pl- well, woman on the planet? Possibly, possibly. Used to be, but I not she anymore. she was richer than the Queen. I think so. Oh, I, I have a feeling I know where this is going to go. She gave it away. That's what I was going to say. She gave it away, didn't she? Yeah, she gave it away. Yeah, bless her heart. Yeah, so she, uh, she's like, well, I can't use this money. So yeah. she has been uh, become one of the most phil- philanthropic people on the planet. That's the tile you want. You don't want to be one of the richest men, women, whatever, youngest billionaire. Like, you want to be the most, most philanthropic. Yeah, that's what you want to have. That's the tile you want to aim for. So you wrote a series of novels that I think are pretty dodgy, but... Um, that's, I've never that's, read that's them. That's my opinion. I've never read them. them. I've done the research and I'm like, no, 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 no. Yeah, yeah. But, but uh, having said that, uh, what she's done with the money is a good thing. What did she do? I just just gave it away to various charities and so forth. Amen. Yeah. I'm because like she's like she's like, what can I do with it? Yeah. What what am I going to use it for? I've been I've been given this, therefore I have responsibility to use it for it. to make the world a and better I place. And I think I think wealthy people need to realise that with money comes responsibility, and not just towards yourself, but towards humanity. And the reality is, she's never going to run out of an income. Yeah, she's exactly. Never royalties coming into that. Until the, the day she dies and, and long after as well. Oh, yeah. In the yeah, next 75 yeah. years until the grandfather clauses or whatever it does. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm, I'm happy that she's realised that. I'm happy when rich people realise that there's nothing more that they can buy that's going to change their situation. When they have everything and they've realised it doesn't bring them any happiness and they shouldn't be bogarting all the cash. When they get to that point and they're like, do you know what? Instead of instead of like leading these empty, wrecked lives, that's, you know, you know how often you seem to turn to like drugs and yep. and they get like yep. worse and worse, like mm-hmm. like this Epstein guy, you know, and they're just trying to fill these holes because they've just got everything they could possibly want because of all their wealth. I, I like it when you hear them say, do you know what? I'm going to give it away because that's where it's at. Mm-hmm. Epstein uh, just signed his will 48 hours before he died too. That's of course he did. Anyway, uh, George Pell, uh, we find out today whether he will remain in prison or not. Okay. Um, as his, uh, his, his appeal has been heard. And this is an interesting case because, you know, as the judge said in the initial case, he's not on trial for mismanagement. For the, uh-huh. That's not what, you know, for the mismanagement of the, of the diocese down there in Melbourne and, and that resulted in so many, you know, hundreds if not thousands of young kids being abused. Yeah. Um, you know, he wasn't on trial for the cruelties of the, of the Melbourne response or for his arrogant dismissal of victims. He wasn't on trial for any of those things. He was on trial for two very specific cases. Okay. He was found guilty for those two very specific cases. And that's what he's doing time for. Um, <coughs> And the question that then comes up is... Okay, When's he going to go to trial for the other stuff? Well, no, he's probably not going to. Uh, but clearly this is a man who has lived a life of harm. 
yeah. a lifelong existence of harm. And, you know, should he have actually appealed in the first place? Because you've got a bunch of people that are watching on. Now, I want to see justice done. Yes. I don't know whether he's guilty or innocent. Mm-hmm. I want to see justice done. Mm-hmm. I, I wasn't there, wasn't an eyewitness, can't comment on that. The courts have found him guilty. Let's see what the appeal finds him. If he gets off on a technicality, I would be very disappointed. Uh, but, you know, there's a bunch of people that are watching this case that really form in, fall into two categories. Number one, people who have been abused and who have not yet come forward. Yeah. Number two, people who are being abused right now. And what kind of a message is he sending by lodging this appeal? Well, the message that he's sending is that if you come forward, it's going to take forever for you to get justice. The person that you are trying to get justice against is going to fight it tooth and nail, and it's going. You're going to have years of. You're going to face years of trauma as a result of it. Uh, the accused will never give up to the point where a lot of people who have not come forward or are being abused are going to ask the question, is it worth it? Yeah, I think twice about So this is the message that is being very, very clearly sent by George Pell. Now, when I compare that to because, you know, George Pell, obviously third highest ranking official in the Roman Catholic Church, when I compare that to the life of Jesus, you find that, you know, there is rights versus right. Okay. So Pell has rights to appeal. Yeah. But is that the right thing to do? Let's think of what Jesus did. Jesus went to the cross in an unjust circumstances Mm -hmm. that he could have got out of Mm -hmm. quite easily. He could have, you know, could have removed himself from that, but he did it for the greater good. He saw a bigger picture. There was a greater good at stake. And so he's like, you know what? I'm going to go to the cross. I will sacrifice myself for the greater good. I don't see this happening here. Oh, now, if I was in Pell's shoes, I'm not saying that you know, uh, sacrificing myself for the greater good would be the first thing front and centre on my mind either. But I'd like to think it would be. Yeah, I'd, if he's if he's done those horrific things that he's been accused of, there's no surprise that he's zero percent interested in the greater good. He's interested in himself. Yeah. Anyway, moving on. So many stories talk about the abortion bill uh, going through the New South Wales Parliament has. Uh, otherwise known as the Kill Bill, has just been delayed um, due to amendments that have been suggested. And, of course, uh, New South Wales, a bunch of parliamentarians and so forth are uh, up in arms and say, you know, they're just playing games and that this uh, should be rushed through and it should be voted on today and it should have been just done already. But Finance Minister Damien Tudhope has um, suggested an amendment to ban to ban gender selection abortion. So under the current bill, gender selection abortion, as it stands right now, gender selection abortion is legal. You can... You can, you can uh, Find out the gender fall, and fall, be like, yeah, no, I don't no, want to. No, I don't want a little girl um, because that's where gender selection comes in. Yep. And uh, so let's kill the girl and then let's have uh, try again for a boy and you just keep trying and trying and trying and, and killing all the girls until you get a boy. And that is the reality of what's happening around the world. And so uh, the finance minister stepped in and said, no, we're going we're gonna to make an amendment here to stop that. And I really, really support um, what he is doing there. I'd like, love to see the bill stopped altogether. But anyway, uh, One Nation representative Mark Latham has made an amendment um, so that medical professionals will, be, will not be forced to act against their 
conscience. So at the moment, if you go oh, to the doctor, good. it's a very good. Yep. If you go to the doctor and the doctor doctor is a uh, religious person who believes in the sanctity of life um, under the current legislation, if he does not refer you to a specialist to perform the abortion, he is liable. Really? Oh, yes. So they're forced to refer you um, and, and, and they are forced to make themselves complicit in taking the life of a innocent child. This um, reminds me a little bit of like, you know, with the, with the issues with the, um, with the sexuality, forcing bakers to bake cakes for weddings they don't... You know. Yeah, it's a similar thing. Yeah. So Mark Latham has, has uh-huh. stepped in with that one and I absolutely, once again, I'm 100% uh, behind him. We need to have religious liberty in this country. And people need to be able to follow the dictates of their conscience. And the reality is that if your doctor, if your GP doesn't want to refer you, go to the next one down down the yeah, road. That's right. You know? Don't don't start throwing people in jail just to make a point. Um, so that's happening in our world right now. Let me see what else is happening. I'm a little bit concerned that people who are told they can't have an abortion because they're trying to do gender selection are just going to lie about it. Oh, you know, oh, it's not about gender. It's about this and this or that and that. Of course, and there are there are. What can you do? But let's put it in legislation so that we at least have some respect yeah. for human life. Yeah, that's right. Thirty percent of food eaten in Australia by Australians is junk. Whoa, thirty percent. Thirty percent is junk food, and new health guidelines have drastically cut the amount of meat that we should be eating. Uh, legislators are looking at the concept of putting visual teaspoons of sugar on the outside of Do products it. so that Do you can it. see how much sugar there is. I, I, I made 100%. some I made some homemade lemonade the other day. Yeah. And we're basically sugar free in our home. Yeah, yeah. You know, as far as added sugar and that kind of stuff, cane sugar goes. My wife is really sugar free and uh-huh. I'm I'm uh-huh. I, I'm like if you don't buy it I won't eat it, so it's not in the fridge I won't uh, I won't eat it. Hard, but, like, I kind of blame your wife for that one. But um, so made this lemonade, yeah, you know, squeezed all these yeah, lemons. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I took all the lemons off our tree and squeezed them all. Made homemade lemonade. It's just the most amazing thing. It was a little bit sour. So um, Shell throws some sugar in it. Mm-hmm. I was shocked how much went in. I'm like, you've got to be joking. You're putting yeah. that much sugar in it. And then I suddenly realised that's a fraction of the amount of sugar that there is in a sugary lemonade. in a sugary drink. And yeah. I'm like, wow. When you a- actually see it visually like yeah. that. Is a huge impact. They should have a, a line on the bottle and say, up to here is how much sugar went into this. Because when you shake it all up, you can't see it. But that's what they should do. Love it's this crazy. song coming up. It's called Follow the Lamb. Follow Jesus Christ. Follow him to the cross. We will keep the commandments of God Through the faithfulness of Jesus Christ With patient endurance and faith, we will follow, follow the Lamb. We will follow the Lamb wherever He goes, walking in the light on this narrow road. We will give our lives for the 
That was Carly Fletcher with Follow the Lamb. You're listening to Faith FM, and I still haven't got the foggiest idea what the answer to this clue, is, this quiz is. Yeah, what city am I? Lyle still doesn't know it, and I'm sitting here looking through this delicious breakfast book. I'm looking at fruity breakfast bars, Lyle. Very delicious. And then carrot, rosemary, and zucchini muffins, boysenberry, and buckwheat muffins, Mexican corn, and of course, this one's by Sue Rad, who is a uh, international actually. That one sensation. sounds really good. Producer Shell, what do you reckon? Mexican corn and capsicum pikelets. I reckon that sounds delicious. Anyway, you can win this book, The Breakfast Book by Sue Rad. And you can also get a copy of Note to Self, which is Kemi Ogendi's uh, latest album. Uh, you can get both of those because Lyle still doesn't know the answer to what city am I. This is the third clue. Jesus' second miracle took place in this city. And yet, he still looks confused. Give us a call, 1-800-FAITH-FM, 1-800-324-843. Call me quick before Lyle figures it out so I can send you both of those. You can text your guesses 0491-064-669. Today is a day to pull over and give us a call because I know you know the answer. Unlike okay. Lyle. All right. Give us a call. That's in- indeed. Talking about phone calls, on the phone we have uh, David Haupt who has been uh, sharing with us about, um, yeah, all things to deal with emotions and um, how we mental can be health. mental health, yeah. how we can be how we can be mentally healthy. David, welcome to the show again. Good morning, good morning now, to your listeners. Now, David, we had you on the show earlier in the week where uh, we did a little bit of a catch up from the week before where you weren't feeling well, and you were in Coonabarabran. I understand that you've been to a few different places since then. I've been to Coonabarabran. I've got I've been out further west. I've, uh, yesterday, I helped one of the drought affected farmers feed his cattle. Uh, in Gaira, yeah, extremely dry out, out west. Okay, so amongst uh, other things, apart from being a counsellor, you you are also a pastor. So here we've got a pastor who is uh, throwing bales of hay off the back of a ute, I guess. Is that kind of how it went? I do believe that uh, ministers should have a practical side as well. Uh, have a heart for people and for, for the animals. Whereabouts, uh, whereabouts were you helping the farmer? Just outside of Gaira. And what's the drought like there at the moment? Well, it is basically rocks and sand. That's all that's on, on the ground. So uh, farmers are feeding their cattle, selling off what they can. And it's just heartbreaking to see people uh, getting rid of their, their breeding stock. As a counsellor, what kind of strain is that putting on services like the services that you offer? It um, it creates immense heightened levels of uh, anxiety, of um, of depression. Uh, mental health is a major issue uh, today out west, as well as the potential of suicidality. Mm. In other words, people people have suicide as an option not because they uh, don't want to live anymore, but because they just can't see another way out. 
and just having someone to come in a day and work alongside a farmer like that just inspires them and gives them you know hope that there is life beyond the struggle that they are involved with yeah so we we're planning for later in the year in kunabara brand to to run a introduction to depression anxiety recovery Mm-hmm. and uh, just see whether we can't help some of those farmers. Whereabouts are the worst drought-affected places in uh, northern New South Wales at the moment? Were you right at the epicentre of it? We were right there in the epicentre. Uh, I, I I made a turn just uh, southwest of Burke, and uh, it basically the kangaroos are just hopping around in, in the red dust. Mm. I remember when I drove out that way uh, about six weeks ago, maybe a little bit, maybe a couple of months ago now, between Ningen and Burke, I think we saw two kangaroos and they were both looked like if you walked up to them and, and touched them, they'd just fall over dead. Um, That's it was right. Really horrific. And, uh, and then after Burke, we never saw another kangaroo until for the next three weeks. And, and, and when, the natives, when the native animals are suffering like that, you know that is an incredibly severe drought. Very true, very true. We're dealing with some really serious stuff out there. You've also been uh, working with ADRA. Could you just explain to our listeners very quickly what ADRA is all about? ADRA stands for Adventist Development and Relief Agency, which is the humanitarian arm of the Seventh-day Adventist Church. And uh, our main aim has been to, to provide assistance to farmers. The only funds that are available that we can use are funds that are donated and uh, basically that has dried up as well. So, um, yeah, the, the, the next level that we can support is on an emotional uh, level by providing programs like Depression Anxiety Recovery Program. Do you think that the drought has, has lasted so long that people in the cities have started to forget about what's happening in the country? Part of human nature is that we get compassionate fatigue. So sure. uh, we care, we care, we see the pictures, but we are daily so bombarded by horrific imagery on news um, that eventually we just move on to the next crisis, mm. the shootings in America and so forth. So uh, our mind, you know, eventually just forget about those events around us and we move on to the next crisis. Do the farmers have a sense that they are being forgotten? Look, uh, farmers are extremely resilient people and they rally around each other, supporting each other. But um, here, the the farmers that I met uh, over the past uh, week, you know, are just looking at today. They are too afraid to look at tomorrow. Yeah, now, David, this wasn't exactly what we were planning to talk about today, but it is important for, I think, for our listeners just to get a bit of a report as to uh, what you're dealing with as a counsellor in Western New South Wales right now um, as you travel travel around, run meetings, do training, talk to people, um, do counselling. And, of course, you got in very late last night. I understand you got back about midnight last night, so we're super thankful that you're uh, up and on the phone with us this morning. But last week we were talking about you shared some of your own personal journey uh, that has affected your life and the way that you see yourself. I'm wondering whether we can just sort of pick that story back up and, and continue from there this, as, we, as we continue on with the series. Lala, I remember a, a day 
very vividly a day in my life as a young teenager where I went on my knees as a young Christian and I prayed the prayer. I said, Lord, if you can make something out of rubbish, then I give myself to you. That is, that is how I perceived myself. I grappled from very early in my life with um, the issues of shame, a feeling that I was defective, deficient, flawed, that I do not measure up and will never be able to be good enough. I subsequently came to the realization that God never makes rubbish. Amen. But, <laughs> but, Amen. but I, I, I believe that God never wastes our pain. And uh, therefore, and I don't want to give away too much because next week I would like to talk more about this issue of of how our greatest pain can in actual fact be our greatest resource in our life. In my life, I made a decision that my pain is going to be used to help other people. Very few people talk about the issue of shame, the self-identity crisis that holds I would say between 80 to 90% of people. As I present on this topic, I so often have people just sitting there listening with tears just running, uh, you know, out of their eyes. And afterwards they come to me and they say, you know, when you spoke about your own pain, your struggle to make sense of your worth and value, you spoke about my pain. Your Mm. story is my story. Mm. So... Today, I would like to, you know, in our last session, we reflected on how our development uh, shapes the way that we think about ourselves. The, the first area of our brain as, as a, even an unborn baby that is like a little sponge is our limbic system, our emotional brain, some people call it, which just absorbs all the emotions and events that happens around us. And so often that anchors us to the past, especially if very traumatic events happen. We see that people struggle to move away from that because the person that your listeners speaks to most of the time is whom? Uh, Right. Yeah. Okay. So we talk to ourselves most of the time. The question is, what is it that we talk to ourselves most of the time about? Ourself. Our sense of worth and value. Mm-hmm. So, in other words, we measure whatever is happening around us. We measure that against the backdrop of what is in our limbic system. In other words, the emotional baggage that we carry around with us. Hmm. And therefore, we have a great chance of duplicating exactly that same baggage. Um, I'd like to quote object relations theory. They believe that as humans, we are originally motivated not to seek anxiety reduction, but to seek relatedness, attachment, and connection with others. I'm going to give you an illustration. A, A woman or a girl that grew up in a home of of alcoholism or uh, emotional and physical abuse, observing a father physically abusing the mother or even the children, will often tend to marry a very similar person. Mm, we've, and, we've all seen that so many times. And, and in therapy, when you start to work with them, they will say to me, David, 
if only my husband, if only I can change and my husband, uh, my husband can see that change, then he will stop abusing me. In other words, he is drinking or he's abusing because I do not hold worth or value. Now, that's a distortion. Yeah. The reason why people uh, abuse others is because they themselves um, are afraid of how they view themselves. And we therefore carry certain lies that we internally send to ourselves that I am what I do. Within five minutes after two men met each other, they would have asked each other inevitably the question, what do you do? Why do we ask each other that question? That's where they place their self-worth. We measure ourselves and our worth against what we do versus what the other one does. A, a, a second lie is that I am what I have, which is fed by consumerism. The third lie is that I am what others say of me. The opinion that others have of me is purely an opinion that is formulated by where they are at in their own life. Mm, this is powerful stuff. So object relations theory continues, they say, However, if a severe injury is inflicted to the self and its relations early in life, then our search for that connectedness will deteriorate into self-preoccupation or defensive rage. So it's talking about that earliest relationships that we have with our primary caregiver, mum, dad, those people that are the closest to us. If an injury happens there, then we will carry a distortion of self, and we will demonstrate, or we will live that distortion out in one of three ways. I will either withdraw from relationships when I feel misunderstood and unloved, unappreciated, or I will attack with aggression and anger and accusations, or you will be like me, you know, the combination guy, where I first attack, and then once I've shot my spouse full of holes, not physically but emotionally, then I withdraw because I'm hoping that they will come and search for me, and if they do come out and search for me, then I at least will believe that I hold worth and value. But what chance do I have that they now would come and search for me? We see these behaviors in all relationships around us, in committee meetings, in churches, in the workplace, in marriages. Yeah, yep. Now, yep. No, you, you go. I was going to say we're just about out of time there, David. Um, we, uh, we we might need to continue on with, uh, with this segment next week, but it's something I think that, you know, it is definitely prompted in my mind you know, how do I look at myself and uh, do I really see, truly see myself as a blood-bought, created child of God or do I listen to the lies that the devil implants inside of my head? Don't say too much. Let's talk about that next week. All right, let's do that. This is the Cox family. Will there be any stars in my crown? I think there'll be stars in all of, us, all of our crowns uh, if we give our lives to Jesus Christ today.
There's a program called Forgive to Live, designed to help us all improve our lives and discover the healing power of forgiveness. So if you're keen to take that first step, head to forgivetolive.org.au. You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. Judah and 
Judah 